Thank you for tuning in to Roll Call. The movie you selected is Made in America, starring Will Smith. All right. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to Roll Call, the show where two childless millennials gush over movies and follow an actor's journey from their early years through their blockbuster hits. Because let's face it, we're all just chasing the power trip that you felt when you got to pick out a movie for the weekend. Uh, like the President's Day weekend. That's true. By the time this comes out, it's going to be like April. <laughs> <laughs> Bria and I are enjoying... Bria, you have tomorrow off, right? Yes, thank the Lord. Yeah, thank the Lord. We should be drinking, but we're not. It's okay. We don't yeah. have to. <laughs> cut we that, can cut later. That, cut that. We can later. Anyways, we are excited about the fact that we have that three-day weekend. And man, I remember as a kid, that was like all the more exciting. It was like an extra <laughs> sleepover buffer day. Yes. What's up, everybody? I'm Bria, and I would love to be on the level of unbotheredness that was Whoopi Goldberg biking through Berkeley in Oakland, California in this movie. Uh, yes, agreed. Although that was extremely dangerous. And in the middle of my movie notes, I said, how has no one got hit by a car yet? And then the next bullet point was, whoops, too soon. Hey, whoops, everyone. Whoops. <laughs> whoop. <laughs> she made a woo. Uh, hey, everyone. I'm Simone. And I am just loving the Bay Area 90s realness that this movie brought us today. Oh, my God. Did it like... Did it get you in your feels a little bit? Like, oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, to, like, time travel back to the 90s Bay Area. Mm -hmm. yeah, what a vibe. Um, if you don't know, then now you know. In today's episode, we'll chat about Will Smith in the 1993 film Made in America, which takes place in the Oakland Bay Area, which me and Simone are very familiar with. Mm -hmm. I went to elementary school in Oakland for elementary school. So <laughs> this was definitely like tugging on my heartstrings, like seeing like, oh, I think I know where they are. But um, let's take a trip back to May 1993 when this movie was released. Let's do it. Okay, so pop culture wise, um, I'm going to be talking about just a few things. Um, and then I'm going to hand it over to Bria, who's going to hit us with some other really cool things in pop culture. Um, one in music is that Janet Jackson in May of 1993 is breaking fucking records. That's the Way Love Goes is a song released by Janet Jackson from her fifth album, Janet, which was released in 1993. Um, the song was initially released on April 20th as the lead single from the Janet album. It was written and produced by Jackson and Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. The song's themes of romantic lust saw Jackson's transitioning from sensual territory considered kind of a shocking contrast to her previous releases amongst critics and the public. The song's slow tempo fused R&B, pop, funk, and soul with flourishes of down-tempo and hip-hop. It received positive reviews from contemporary music critics who praised it as iconic, hypnotic, and extravaganza for its production and vocals. 
That's the Way Love Goes is one of Jackson's biggest hits in the United States. It was one of the longest remaining hits of 1993, topping the Billboard Hot 100 for eight weeks. And to date, it is the longest running number one single of any member of the Jackson family on the Hot 100. It also topped the Hot 100 airplay for 10 weeks, as well as spending multiple weeks at number one on several of Billboard's other component charts. The song became the first and only single in history to debut at number one on the hot R&B slash hip hop airplay chart. And internationally, it placed at number one in Canada, Australia, New Zealand, Hungary, South Africa, Japan, and Europe's hot 100 charts. It is the 17th biggest hit of the 1990s and the biggest selling single by a female artist in South Africa. It has sold over 3 million copies worldwide. Um, That's the Way Love Goes also received Grammy Awards for Best R&B Song in addition to Billboard Awards, BMI Pop Award for Most Play Song, and the American Music Awards. Um, Its accompanying music received several nominations at the MTV Music Video Awards, including Best Female Video, and also influenced several videos, including releases from Ciara and Prince. The song That's the Way Love Goes has been recorded by artists, meaning covered, uh, by Bruno Mars in sync and cited as influenced by Britney Spears, Nelly Furtado, and inspired or been sampled in songs by Alicia Keys, Destiny's Child, and Hikaru Utada. It is considered to be one of Jackson's signature songs and is included in each of her greatest hits collections. I'll stop there. (laughs) I just want to say we love Janet Jackson and long live Janet. Janet Appreciation Day on the Super Bowl every year. Um, Watch her documentary, people. Um, Go stream her music, buy her albums, and I'm going to keep it at that because I could, could, (laughs) this whole episode could be about Janet Jackson for me at this point. I am deep in my Janet Jackson um, bag again because of the documentaries, so as Bria is like literally biting backwards moments before we hit the record button she's like are you sure you want to talk about this because I could go down another deep dive (laughs) we love Janet we're Janet fans we're Janet stands and and it was just exciting as I was doing the pop culture you know initial research and stuff of like because I'm I will tell you the movies that were also released this month month which are kind of like and so i was like there's like gotta be something more um so again like i said pop culture wise we're trying as we're like doing this second season of roll call and going into future episodes you know we're trying not to just say the same like facts of like previous years that we may or may not be covering so we're trying to switch it up a bit and um another kind of fun pop culture moment of this month of may was astronaut may jemison became the first real astronaut to appear on television and she had a small bit in star trek Live long and, and prosper. yes, live long and prosper. Even though we should celebrate Black History Month every day, every month of the year 24-7, we are still in the month of February. So I wanted to maybe just talk a little bit more about her and about the first Black woman who traveled into space. May Carol Jemison was born on October 17th, 1956. She is an American engineer, physician, and former NASA astronaut. She became the first Black woman to travel into space when she served as a mission specialist aboard the Space Shuttle Endeavor. 
Jemison joined NASA's Astronaut Corporation or Corp in 1987 and was selected to serve for the STS-47 mission during which she orbited the Earth for nearly eight days on September between September 12th through the 20th of 1992. And let me just backtrack for a quick second. When they started sending women up into space, men who don't know anything about women's bodies, and I think we talked about this previously yes, on another episode. Peeing. <laughs> peeing the pooping, but like the first woman they sent up into space, they're like, okay, she's going to be there for like a few days. In case she has her period, we should get her like a thousand tampons. Does that sound good? (laughs) So I'm guessing May probably had this like really awkward conversation. They're like, how many tampons do you think you're going to need up there for the for the eight days of orbit? I also just want to say like eight days floating around in space sounds boring as hell to me. So props to these people who are convinced enough in space travel and exploration to like go, go float around for eight days. Oh, yeah. God knows what. (laughs) I'm sure the first time you hit that zero gravity when you're like floating, it's probably super fun. And then you're like, all right, I'm over it. I want to go home. (laughs) (laughs) How the kids felt at space camp. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. The elusive, the elusive prize of space camp that was always like dangled as the carrot in front of us in front of like Double Dare, Legends of the Hidden Temple, guts. Figure It Out, yes. Guts, all this stuff. You're like, it made me, like, the, the chokehold that Space Camp had on me <laughs> in the 90s was yeah. like, oh, my God. They should still let us go. Like, they're bringing back <laughs> Legend of the Hidden Temples, but for <gasps> our age group, they should let us grown-ass people go <laughs> to Space Camp. Dude. And, oh, my God, the hookups? Like, the- <laughs> The, like, relationships that would probably be formed, like, oh, we met at space camp. Like, oh, back in, like, 1997? No, like, we went this year, they reopened it for adults, and we went, and (laughs) that's how we met, and we fell in love, and now we have a baby. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. Space camp. What a vibe. What a vibe. And how also fucking funny would it be if, in this reboot of Legends of the Hidden Temple, if they kept the prizes exactly the same, like you have a Yamaha digital keyboard. <laughs> you get to win a mongoose mountain bike. <laughs> Some kind Nintendo of 64. <laughs> You're just like, bro, like I already, I already But have. those are worth like so much money now on eBay. Yeah. So that would be dope. I'd be fine with that. I would, I'm sure all of us would because we're just trapped in the cycle of nostalgia because the rest of the world is just like, "Mm." (laughs) whatever. Anyways, more about May Jemison. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Born in Alabama and raised in Chicago, Jemison graduated from Stanford University with degrees in chemical engineering as well as African-American studies. She then earned her medical degree from Cornell University. Jemison was a doctor for the Peace Corps in Liberia in Sierra Leone from 1983 until 85, and then worked as a general practitioner. In pursuit of becoming an astronaut, she applied to NASA. She left NASA in 93 and founded a technology research company. She later formed a nonprofit educational foundation, and through the foundation is the principal of the 100-year Starship Project funded by DARPA, DARPA. 
Jamison also wrote several books for children. She holds several honorary doctorates and has been inducted into the National Women's Hall of Fame and International Space Hall of Fame. Wow, we salute you. I remember seeing a poster of her. It it wasn't in my teacher's classroom. It was in another teacher's classroom. But like she was like one of those people, you know, for Black History Month in elementary school and beyond who's like, mm -hmm. you know, very recent or just, you know, highly toted like Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, like, you know, where it's like kind of the same group of people get mentioned a lot. Mm -hmm. But at that time, like, thinking about it, like, I'm a kid of the 90s. So, like, her, she was very uh, recent. So that's probably why. So I just remember seeing her in the orange, like, spacesuit and her, yes. her little afro. And being like, wow, okay, that's dope. Yeah. <laughs> and I think they, um, she was put on a stamp at some point as well. Which oh, is I also would be surprised. Yeah. Kind of cool. Yeah. Black history. Remember when people used to collect stamps? Oh, I'm oh yeah. Sure they still do, probably. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. But, it still exists. Yeah. But, uh, but Bria, you have some additional kind of uh, pop culture that I would love to give you the platform to do before I switch back over to some of the movies that were released this month. I didn't realize that we have two movies in 93, so I might save some of this, but... Basically, since this season we're doing Will Smith, I think it's important that we talk about um, some things that were happening on the black side of pop culture, because Will is a pivotal part of that, I feel like, and to not highlight some of those things and see how maybe his career affected things or how, you know, his growth sh also helped shape and shift that culture in some ways would be interesting. Mm -hmm. Um so in 1993, according to Vibe magazine, but um, 1993 is a huge year for hip hop. You have some huge hip hop albums like Tribe Called Quest, Wu-Tang, 36 Chambers. You have a young Snoop Dogg on the cover of Vibe. And you know, I was playing nothing but a G thing earlier. That's mm -hmm. why. <laughs> but you know, you have these huge like moments in hip hop, Tupac's like breakthrough album comes out, you know, he had done stuff before with Digital Underground, but you know, he's now like officially like death row and like the Tupac we all know. Um, and so those are like huge moments. And then I think it's important too, like movie wise to see how the growth of hip hop culture is reflected in movies because you have movies like Poetic Justice with Janet and Tupac Again, you highlighted, unbeknownst to me, that Janet's like this huge star, you know, on the rise. And so is Tupac, and they're in this movie together. So, like, mm -hmm. I mean, that'd be like right now putting, I don't, I don't even know. I don't even know who right now you could put together <laughs> and be like, damn, like, that's a dope-ass reflection of that time period in a movie. I don't know. I would say like the the sh it was the show that Rihanna and um, Donald Glover did. Oh, that Amazon movie. Yeah, I'd say I don't know. I mean, maybe not. I mean, yes and no. Like Rihanna, I I feel like okay. 
I feel like actually pre Rihanna getting pregnant and pre like Drake being a fuck boy in whatever way he did. Yeah. Rihanna and Drake being in a movie together around like one dance and stuff. That yeah. would have been like n- and nothing against Donald Glover, Childish Gambino. But I think he's a different kind like he's not a Tupac of now. He's like no. a Q-tip of now in, in some ways. But like Drake is very transcendent and I think Tupac was and Rihanna is in some way just like Janet was. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, I guess that would be as close as we could get. And they're mm-hmm. like still relatively young. You know, of course I could mm-hmm. always tote out Beyonce, but you know, she's a mama now. Like mm-hmm. not to not to be like she couldn't do it because she's a mom, but you know, she's in a different part of her life. Mm-hmm. So um so you have movies like that. You have movies like Menace to Society, which mm-hmm carries on kind of the legacy of boys in the hood of these like hood stories but then you have great and there's so much variety too that's starting to happen in the 90s you have uh you have great biopics like what's love got to do with it which i've talked about before but you know it's like nowadays i feel like there's only so many types of black movies and like there i've got like uh sorry i've got a young kind of you know romance movie poetic justice i've got a biopic about a black entertainer who is legendary in her own right and then i've got i do have a hood movie uh menace to society but menace to society is not just a hood movie it it it's a hood movie that like many hood movies has a message especially that was poignant for the times but Mm -hmm. then you also have shows like Obviously, Fresh Prince was on the air at this time, so having a hip-hop star on TV just opened the gates for others. So then you get shows like Living Single, which stars Queen Latifah and is about young black singles and, you know, gets kind of ripped off by friends. So, yeah, I think especially thinking about, like, Living Single and Will, like, I think those things are interesting to see, like, come into fruition of, like, hey, I wonder if that's kind of why. Queen Latifah had done some acting prior to that but like mm-hmm. you know seeing will be successful like people are like hmm, i wonder what other little rappers we could get to <laughs> start in a tv show yeah um, so and i'll save some other stuff for uh the next movie in 93 mm-hmm. but cool and i am here as a as an ally <laughs> i feel like i can't say that so i will give you a hell yeah and i am here as an ally and a friend and a listener and a learner going through this journey and in speaking of Menace to Society, that was a film that was re- also released in May of 1993, the same month that Made in America did. In addition, in Menace to Society, we have Cliffhanger starring Sylvester Stallone. We have Happily Ever After, which, Bria, I don't know if you can remember like what this VHS looked like, but it was the same company that did Troll in Central Park, The Penguin, Thumbelina, and like Rockadoodle. Um, and it was, was it's it like- Was it on a- HBO? Or am I thinking of Napoli Ever After? I think I was thinking of Napoli Ever After. So Happily Ever After, it's a it's a cartoon and it is like a retelling of Snow White. And when you look at what the like cover of the movie looks like, it's like, oh yeah, duh. Like I remember seeing that at, at Blockbuster or like at the movie store or whatever. Um, and it's done in like this oh. very specific like knockoff snow white <laughs> it's exactly a knockoff snow white without like it because even though like i don't think technically disney owns snow white like yeah. they didn't want to touch it under so but what was what i thought was interesting is that um irene cara was the voice of 
Snow White, who's a very famous Black Broadway singer. Um, and Okay. so I was like, well, that's cool that she's like the female lead. But I was like, they, I don't know. She's also a white character. I don't know. So take that as you will. But we also additionally have, I can't, I knew I was going to say silver, Sliver, which is like a true crime movie starring Sharon Stone and one of the Baldwin brothers. It's a very like sexual looking, um, Yeah. As soon as you said Sharon Stone, yeah, like... yeah, like mouth open. Anyways, uh, we have Daybreak starring Cuba Gooding Jr. And it's this like post-apocalyptic world of 1993. It's basically like a plague where everyone who gets sick is like sent to internment camps. It's like very 2020 vibes. So definitely not watching that. Um, we have a Shakespeare adaptation or retelling of Much Ado About Nothing. And um, it looked like Denzel Washington was in there. And then we also have the major huge flop um, movie, the, soup, the live version of the Super Mario Brothers movie, which Ooh. most Nintendo fans are just like, oh, yeah, let's pretend that one doesn't exist. <laughs> oh my god and they're about to remake that right I know with Chris Pratt, really? <laughs> That's your best bet right now? oh boy uh i mean you know history is here for us to learn from but we continuously are just like hmm, no 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 i think i think we're ready to try that again why <laughs> Why? I mean, I like Charlie Day. He's going to be Luigi. And like the rest of like the cast is like fun, I guess, when you think about it. But it's like. Yeah. <laughs> woo. <laughs> Different kind of woo. Different kind <laughs> of will. All right. Well, let's get into the box office of Made in America, which Let's do it. premiered um, May Memorial 28th, Weekend. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. so opening weekend. Oh, budget for the movie was 22 mil, I'm guessing. Um, there's lots of on location stuff, so I'm sure shooting in Oakland might have been a little expensive. Um, but also Whoopi and Ted Danson, you know, and hot
some things that because there was a little oopsie do and I thought there was a, a switch in. Feel free to talk about stuff you read because I actually haven't read <laughs> the uh, review. So Okay. So, <laughs> un well, I don't want to say unsurprisingly, but unfortunately, Roger doesn't say anything about Will Smith in his review, but he <laughs> yeah. does like a whoopee. <laughs> and it's like it's not surprising right because we found out that his his wife is black and so i think that there might be like a little bit of attractiveness there you know like he, <laughs> like i like whoopi she's got star power you know yeah. so he kind of excuses a lot of the like clunkiness of this movie he like really keeps on saying like whoopi brings it back together like she saves it her performance like pulls everything back through yeah um his opening is mm -hmm. Which, you know, is very understandable because trying to position myself, we know Whoopi as a legend as she is now. And now she's just like chilling on the view, getting mm -hmm, a check. Mm -hmm. But, you know, this was kind of like her height. Like, you know, I believe Sister Act is before this and Sister Act 2 comes after. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. like she did Jumpin' Jack Flash and all these Eddie and all these other comedies. But she's kind of like an enigma in Hollywood. Yeah. Like to have a black woman who has very strong Afrocentric black features, who has dreadlocks, who isn't like super feminine and have her be as successful as Whoopi Goldberg has been is just like bravo. Like, mm -hmm. like, I would love to someone to, like, do a documentary or something on her, read, like, somebody's think piece on her success because she definitely broke all kinds of molds and barriers and stuff. But, you know, he starts out his review with, like, you know, I've been thinking about Whoopi Goldberg's appeal, which is real but elusive. I think it has something to do with directness of style, which, like, you know, it's true. Like, when you look at Whoopi Goldberg, you're just like, you know, what is it about her that makes her lovable and different and, again, breaking all these molds and barriers of, like, this isn't someone that Hollywood would traditionally deem, like, worthy of you know, headlining movies and such, but here she is doing it and doing it well. Um, <laughs> shout out to LL Cool J for that. <laughs> I didn't, that was not intentional. But um, he says also that there are no false highs and lows in her performances, no flourishes for effect. She seems to respond directly to the situation at hand. This quality pr provides a leveling effect for Made in America, a movie that could have been all over the map emotionally, but turns out to be surprisingly effective. And I think that's like a really good overall summary of like her and this movie, especially because I think the reason I forgot to read his review is that I was lost in the sauce of the IMDb reviews because some of them are from like 99. So I was like, yeah, oh, this is like fresh. Yeah. And some people really did not like this movie. And I was yeah. just like, you guys are sh just haters. <laughs> like, this movie makes no sense. It's so stupid. Like, who cares about Ted dancing on an elephant? Like, or. You know, there's just too much going on, and it, yeah, and I was just like, you guys just, you guys must have not had fun in the 90s, I guess. <laughs> but um, any other points that you had read that, you know, were standouts? Um, just at the, 
he he kind of ended the review very simply he said this isn't a great movie but it's a nice one and that's like kind of the tagline when you see um like if you pull it up on like rotten tomatoes or like moviecritics.com or whatever you see like famous people who have reviewed this movie and that's usually the line that people will pull that one out as like a one-liner that's probably maybe what was printed in the newspaper yeah i saw that on imdb um so yeah I like I like where he says, you know, since we can more or less that's another thing about people's reviews on IMDb. Like I was like, this is one of those movies again where the trailer kind of, you know, gives you the gist of the whole movie. But yep. also the plot, like honestly, like a rom com, you know what you're coming in for. So mm-hmm. like when people were just like, Oh my god, like it was, you know, predictable or it wasn't believable or blah blah blah, I'm like what did you expect? <laughs> but um, mm-hmm. Lil Raj says, since we can more or less guess where the plot is heading, uh, parentheses, there is a surprise, but the main lines are clear, parentheses. <laughs> the movie stands or falls on how much emotional honesty and human comedy it can find between the lines. And I think that this is probably like where some of the predictability like he's kind of saying you know is able to be overlooked because there are these charming humorous funny honest moments that aren't like too contrived or too like hijinks and over the top like it's just enough mm-hmm. um so on that note <laughs> that was me trying to remix that um how many pumps about it are you giving made in america Simone? You know, I don't know if it's the, you know, a lot of it is, like, very nostalgic of seeing these or these gorgeous shots of, like, Telegraph and Durant Avenue and, you know, seeing this 90s Bay Area Lake vibe Merit. that, Lake Merritt, <laughs> you know, that we were kind of raised on. Um, I also really loved the, like, vibrant colors and, like, like the outfits that Whoopi was wearing and that... Uh, Will Smith's character Tea Cake was wearing and even um, it's is it Nia Long? Nia Long. Nia Long that her character Zora Matthews like you know is obviously like the, the characters are so well rooted in like their culture and their history and I love that piece of it. There was a lot of chaos in this movie that really kind of took me out of it um the large majority of animal abuse was like very difficult to like push through um anyways i'm being very winded i give this two and a half it's not the worst movie i've ever seen but i kind of agree with lil raj on this one it's like it's not a great movie but it's nice you know i would go like if this was on tv i would stick around and watch it for sure yeah i i i am too a two and a half i i i I am (laughs) two at two and a half and for me i think this is a movie i kind of remember seeing at a younger age and i remember it because it's in it takes place in oakland and i remember my sister pointing out that her aunt was extra in it and i was like you can be in movies like just there like so i remember that like fun fact about it but I hadn't, this isn't a movie that I feel like was on TV a lot, you know, where I usually say, like, 
you know, I tend to gravitate towards movies that just keep popping up on TV. But you know, I'm going to sit down and watch this. And um, I don't think it was for me at least, but uh, it would have been cool if it was because I feel like as a kid, I would have really enjoyed this movie like for all the reasons you said. But as an adult, there are moments where I was like, okay, let me check Twitter. Like, and mm-hmm. usually I don't do that when we watch movies for the podcast because I'm trying to like pay attention, take notes and stuff. And I was mm-hmm. like, fuck, like, mm-hmm. that's not a good sign. But it's not a bad movie in that sense. Like, but it also wasn't bad where the day takes you, where I was like, what the fuck am I watching? <laughs> <laughs> where you're captivated kind of by like the unexpected. You know, whereas Mm -hmm. I was like, I I know where this is going, you know, and then Will's so minimal in it. Yeah. But yeah, his his part's bigger by definitely than his piece in Where the Day Takes You. But I agree that it's that predictability piece that you're like, I know how this is going to turn out and how this is going to end. And so like. I can just relax and watch yeah. it versus like I with where the day takes you, you're like, ooh, well, what's going <laughs> to happen? Mm, uh, or like there's so many different plots going on that you're like, oh, okay, I do have to kind of pay attention <laughs> and watch this. Yeah, that's a, that, those are great points. So let's talk about the summary of the film. Okay. For those people who may not want to watch or have not seen Made in America. Okay. Um, I guess I could do that. I mean, the basic premise of this is that Nia Long's character, Zora, is young, bright, and black in the Bay Area. (laughs) But um, she's friends with Will's character, who plays TK, and her mother is played by Whoopi Goldberg, who plays Sarah. And so in science class, they're doing some blood thing, which I was kind of like, is that, like... Is that- you definitely cannot do that anymore. I don't think they prick fingers anymore. Right. I was like, are we playing in blood in school? Okay. <laughs> but <laughs> it does- was the 90s. <laughs> she does this blood thing where they're figuring out their blood types. And so she um, realizes that her blood type is not possible with the blood type that her mother has told her her father had. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, you cheated on my dad, and he's not my daddy. And she's like, what? She's like, okay, well, no. I had, I was artificially inseminated, which, you know, triggered me all the way to back, back, backup plan. <laughs> I was like, ah. Like, imagine those little ginger babies when they get <laughs> older, and they're like, hmm, something ain't adding up here. You not redheaded. You not redheaded. <laughs> like, <laughs> but anyway, so Zora is like what what's going on like what happened and whoopi's like i got artificially intimidated you know i was in love with charlie and he passed away and so i figured and i uh, this was a great reason to get artificially inseminated i put that in my notes because she's like i was loving i was in love with charlie love of my life and i lost him and i figured i should try to make another one and so I decided to have a baby. And so I got artificially inseminated. And, you know, she just lied and said that that was her dad instead of saying what happened, which I think it's kind of understandable. Like, yep. so basically Zora goes, figures out who 
uh, her father is, and it's supposed to be Ted Danson's character, who is white, which is supposed to be kind of this big shocker reveal thing. And so, so much ensues from the dichotomy of, you know, them being black and him being white and getting to know each other and, you know, have a kid, like, and Mm -hmm. everything of it all. And then him and Whoopi start to, like, really get along and enjoy each other's company and and all kinds of stuff happens from that. But, you know, basic story is, you know, Zora walks away with the father figure. And that is my summary of Made in America. <laughs> so Excellent. Good job. We kind of already mentioned the trailer. Standard. You know exactly what you're going to get. Tagline yeah. of this movie is, at the sperm bank, she asked for a tall, intelligent black man. One out of three ain't bad. <laughs> I read that on IMDb and I was like, wow, I need to quit my job. Like, who's writing these taglines? <laughs> <laughs> like, I could def- I could have definitely came up with something better than that, but. <laughs> oh, well, and then that whole, like, when she, like, goes, when Zora finds out and she goes to, like, talk with her mom about it and she was just like, I haven't even told you the worst part, like. <laughs> She was just like, he's white, and then they freak out, and she's like, no, that's not, like, there's something even worser. He's, because, like, that was the whole <laughs> shtick, is that he was, not only was he not a black man, but he was, like, a white guy and this, like, skeevy, famous, quote-unquote, famous car salesman <laughs> in, um, and that sold, you know, used, like, all-American Chevy cars, and How's he's- how's your pal and he used like animals and all of his commercials and stuff and he was like so like just douchey all around yes (laughs) um so let's talk about the cast since we're talking about how and um the hijinks of it all so i mean we kind of already mentioned the main players here we have a very young fresh-faced neil long who wasn't born in the hood and then which is so crazy to think about because Nia Long winds up being on Fresh Prince with Will. Mm-hmm. And so um, this is their first acting role together. I would love for them to do a movie together now saying that. Like, yeah, I liked their chemistry. I mean, they're like their chemistry in this movie was on more of like a familial friendship base. They had been together or been friends for a really long time. And it was like pretty clear that TK had like a big crush on her and was kind of like simping for her and was like when are we gonna get together kind of thing and then it doesn't really end up happening but like i thought that their chemistry was great and then obviously on fresh prince like they were awesome so yeah it would be fun to see them in a movie yeah and then we have the, the heavy hitters whoopi goldberg and ted danson straight off of like his run from cheers um, trying to pivot from TV to movies. And then young Will Smith, who we'll talk about even more. And then we have a young Jennifer Tilly, who's like this blonde bimbo dancer size chick, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I don't know, just amazing. And then I would also like to note we have a youngish Paul Rodriguez, mm-hmm. who's a comedian and actor, Mexican American, but. I know him because I love his son, Paul Rodriguez Jr., who's a famous skateboarder. And when I was in high school, oh. I was like, oh, my God, P-Rod, like, so cute. Um, but, yeah, so 
one thing, I don't know if you know this, Simone, but one thing I also got distracted by while watching this was that I knew that Whoopi and Ted Danson dated. <laughs> the, the shock on your face. Are you shitting my dick? No. Oh, interesting. I mean, you can kind of, I guess now looking back at it, like you can see they were very, I mean, the way he like smelled her and stuff, like when they yeah. went out on their date and stuff, they, <laughs> it was cute. Okay. All yeah. right. So obviously, I, I don't know about for you, but I couldn't really find like a lot of interviews or anything about this movie, especially regarding Will's part in it. But yeah. what I did find was an interview of them. And so it gives very like we're dating vibes. And mm. um, the interviewer, Bobby Wynant, I think, um, she asked them because they have like these signs, like little picket signs, but like with answers on them. And she's like, mm-hmm. so what's what's the signs for? And they're like, oh, you'll see. And then she's like, well, OK, so, you know, there's a rumor of a relationship. Are you guys? And they're like, we'll see. And they use the signs to be like personal, not not answering. And um, but it's kind of a big deal. And I I hate to keep going back to J-Lo and Ben, but, you know, (laughs) (laughs) Whoopi and Ted, this, again, very uh, ethnic, black, strong, Afrocentric featured woman with dreadlocks and um, beautiful, darker skin dating like America's like hot bar dude. Yeah. It's kind of like what was you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's an unlikely coupling. <laughs> yeah, and I believe Ted Danson was married and they wound up getting a divorce. So I believe that there was a little rendezvous. It wasn't quite, you know, just clean uh mm-hmm. romance. And but highly controversial Another controversial part of their relationship I know about is that Ted Danson did blackface while they were dan- dating at, um, I-, I don't know if it was like her birthday or something honoring her, but mm-hmm. I I don't want to say I'm going to give him a pass, but I'm going to say within the context of that time in his life, I feel like I can make an understanding, not an exception, but understanding because I feel like when you date a person of color, sometimes love blinds them and they let you do some shit that they should have been like, no, actually, maybe we shouldn't do that. Like, I feel like they were both blinded (laughs) by the love and of it all. And Whippy was like, oh my God, that's so funny and so cute if you did blackface. And he's like, are you sure? And she's like, yeah, it's just a joke. No one's gonna, no one's gonna care. Like, I'm black. Like, you're dating a black woman. Who's gonna say anything? And it's like, no, Whoopi. People are gonna say things. And then the internet, they didn't know that that shit was gonna be everywhere forever. It's gonna for stay to... forever. Yes. So, <laughs> any other notes? I mean, obviously, acting-wise, like we said, they kind of have a very believable chemistry because, you know, at mm-hmm. that time, they were kind of dating. And then Whoopi's great, like Roger Ebert said, you know, she just kind of hits points where they need to be hit. Nothing's over the top. Nothing's overly simple either. You know, it's just really believable, real, and honest in many ways. Ted Danson's a little campy at times, but... yeah. yeah. Especially because he has like this accent that kind of is like, uh, 
Yeah, he's like he's going in and out of like a little bit of a southern cowboy accent there and I do you think he's attractive? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love Cheers. Cheers is one of my comfort shows. I and know. like just like I like Woody Harrelson because of Cheers. But see, I think Woody Harrelson is more of like a strange attractiveness. I find Ted Danson more attractive now, weirdly oh, enough. Oh, yes. Like, he's, like, really aged into, like, a cute little white-haired daddy. Um, box, yes. And he's so good on The Good Place, right? Like, he, you know, so... Because I have thoughts about, like, you know, when we get to remake and all that stuff. So I'm interested yeah. in hearing, like, who maybe you'd recast in this. Oh, I, um, I wrote it down, yes. Any notes? I know earlier you said, you know, oh, I love, like, a young blonde Jennifer Tilly. Any notes about that or her? Her character was, like, the Energizer bunny. She, so it was, like, Tal um, was on his – he had been, like, married, divorced twice or something. It was very clear that Jennifer Tilly's character, Stacy, was just this, like – fuck toy kind of <laughs> yeah. like it was not necessarily a very serious relationship but she was a little bit younger she's obviously in great shape she like bria said she's like a jazzer dancer exercise gal she's been wearing these like neon pink tights and like a thong leotard and stuff so <laughs> very like 80s 90s jazzercise vibes um or step class whatever you want to call it so um yeah, her character was just a cute little comedic relief. She didn't have any. I thought maybe she would like get in the way of his relationship with uh, Whoopi Goldberg, like as he kind of yeah. wanted to like date her, and then she would. No, you cannot do that. It's either going to be me or her, and like or like <laughs> she, she. I feel like you have this untapped talent of like. <laughs> what that might be your like that might be your uh very jewish simone of the season it's like what does very tilly simone think <laughs> i thought maybe she would like go sabotage her bookstore you know what i mean like i thought she was gonna be like really petty like, about it <laughs> kinda kinda but no she she was great and i love her you know she's she's kind of like jennifer coolidge where they know that yeah. like they're looks and voice are so unique and that what is what like makes them marketable <laughs> yeah i really enjoyed the part where he had just left sarah whoopi's character and they had finally kind of hooked up for a bit and so you know he's a little love dazed and he gets back and he's like oh fuck like i forgot about you yeah and she's there with this other dude that she's hanging out with and um they're like Oh, well, not that part, but... Um, it was when she breaks up ahead, with him. Yeah, skipping yeah. ahead, she, she's like, you know, it's not it's not working. And he's like, yeah, you're right. Like, And she's adamant to try to have this yeah. like, dramatic breakup. <laughs> oh, Hal, it's going to be okay. You're going to be just fine. And then she, like, leaves and then, like, runs back into the house. Don't cry over me. I'm sorry. It has to be. Like, she, like, and he's just like, it's fine. You're good. Like, you're going to like that other dude so much more better. Like, yeah. get out of here, kid. <laughs> um, I thought that was, like, some pretty good comedy stuff. Yeah. Um, and then I guess let's just talk about. Let's yeah. get into Will. 
So I feel like, obviously, by this time, Fresh Prince is on the air. I feel like this is not a stretch from him as Will on the Fresh Prince, you know? No. Style-wise, you know, they're very 90s, backwards hat, colorful clothes, um, you know, stuff like that. He has glasses in this movie, which, Mm -hmm. you know, hey. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But high top fade will... Nothing too contrived, funny, you know, good one-liners. I loved when mm-hmm. he, when Ted Danson comes to the door and he answers <laughs> it and he's like, there's a white man at the door. <laughs> like, and that's what in the you're going to do about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's in the trailer. So that kind of gives that joke away in a way. But, you know, and then there's a the part where uh, he's, Zora goes on a date, and so I think this is supposed to allude to, like, him actually liking her, mm-hmm. but where he's, like, talking and no one else, like, just himself, and he's, like, switching off from male and female, and um, I feel like that's very, like, 90s. I don't think he could do that so much now, because he's, like, I feel like he's giving very zesty, like, gay dude in that, you know, mm-hmm. and trying yeah. to be a girl, like, ah! like and then oh and then he says bitch which will smith in his rap he vowed not to curse for his grandmother and so i think it's rare to hear him curse so i was Mm -hmm. like oh my god like he called himself a bitch because he's doing this back and forth thing (laughs) with himself yeah um he's a solid good friend of character you know sidekick like bestie neighborhood kid Type yes. Character. Yes. I, I. My main notes was that Will Smith. Will Smithed in this movie. This was very <laughs> like, and I don't think we're going to see much of a change. I, actually, more we're going to see a change in like six degrees of separation, and then definitely, obviously, in like some of the more like serious roles and stuff. But like Will Smith has a very like set way of acting, um, especially in his like comedic bits. And I feel like he pulls a lot of those kind of same thing of like, you know, code switching or like going male to female. Um, He does a lot of that in Fresh Prince. So I felt like this character, like you said, wasn't too much of a stretch. I felt there was a little bit of a trope of um, being like the jealous best friend, kind of like in Uh, 16 Candles, right? Like of watching the girl. Yeah, I get the other guy. Oh, wait, is that pretty in pink? Yes. Yeah, so it's like 16 Candles, pretty in pink, like that era generation. Lizzie McGuire. (laughs) uh, The Gordos of the world, right? But it could have been also like, but I'm glad that it didn't take on that other stereotype part where like he shames her into like wanting another relationship or like wanting to pursue like getting to know um Hal Jackson or whatever and like standing in the way of her character growth he just served more as like funny best friend support role and stuff and never had any like besides when she goes out on a date and stuff and he was just like you're really gonna let her like dress like that I was kind of like no that's that's a bit stereotyping there or like tropey of like jealous best friend but other than that like I I love that he worked at the bookstore I love that they known each other forever I loved his big Malcolm X necklace and Malcolm X shirt, like yeah, and he That's had a Raider sticker on his helmet. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so many, so many things. Bring back the Malcolm X and like the Africa leather medallions. I'm here for it. Maybe I could find one like on eBay or something, or Etsy. 
Um, I'm also here for her pink and blue bike. That motorbike she had was oh God, so yes. fucking cool. I wouldn't talk about that. Um, <laughs> but there was also, Nia Long has some pretty dope outfits in this movie. I oh, love like, her yeah. little jean vest short moment when she goes to visit him at the car dealership to confront mm-hmm. him. Um, of course, there's some moments where it's like typical, like, I'm a teenager, uh, like, <laughs> and it's just like, girl, he's shooting a commercial. Can't you wait to be like, hey, you're my daddy? Like, <laughs> I noted that too. I was like, you're this is the time, like, when he has a bear in front of him that you want to be like, you're my, like, I get it. This is important to you, but you also had that whole car ride over. And maybe you didn't want to spill the beans right away. Maybe you're like and trying he was to driving get a like feel. a maniac. So that's true. That's true. That's true. I was like, this would not fly because yeah. if you didn't notice, it looked like he lived in like the Oakland Hills, kind of like yeah. near the redwoods. Yeah. And I was like, oh my god, me and Swan go hike there. We just <laughs> ah! like I know where that place is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously I know like kind of the car dealership is typical like Broadway downtown Oakland to mm-hmm. area and mm-hmm. um telegraph obviously i wonder i was can i really want to know though where they shot when they were like walking well whoopie first bike rides through and there's like this big arch and then they walk through there um when they like are hanging out that night Mm -hmm. and it's like a park and i thought it was maybe just berkeley like the campus or something but i'm kind of like maybe we should go like to a location like location sightseeing (laughs) So let's talk about let's talk about moments that in the movie. I for one, the opening scene of them in the classroom, I was like, oh, I love a nineties classroom. Yes, <laughs> like, especially a nineties science classroom. Oh, yes. <laughs> and they shot that at Oakland Tech, which mm-hmm. I've driven by plenty of time in my life. It's like what I envisioned high school to be. It's not what I got, but my uncle actually graduated from there. I also remember my sister telling me that, like, oh, that's where your uncle went to school. I was like, oh my God, what? He's in a movie? Like, <laughs> but um, big school, double levels, probably had lockers. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just big the wooden doors in the front like the steps mm-hmm. like, oh, uh, just amazing mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and then let's talk about this fucking scooter <laughs> because i was like oh my god yes because yeah. when she figures it out that's how she leaves school and it's like fuck the bike rack <laughs> get on my yeah. scooter <laughs> let me get on my little scoot scoot and will's just like all right i'm going with you you know so um I yeah I love that I love her scooter I loved every part of the set was fantastic and even like the cars that Hal was selling they're all like the bright yellow oranges reds like think of every obnoxious sits in like a classic yellow 90s RAV4 and the lady's like trying to sell sell it to him Uh and like I was like oh man (laughs) Mm mm-hmm I mean, even Hal's truck. I was like, that's a badass truck. I got to admit. It's a, he's obnoxious, and it's a little bit obnoxious, but, like, it's this bright red, like, F-150 lifted chrome, like, bars and pipes and grills and stuff, and just, yes. <laughs> um, what other parts? That's saving that for later. Oh, I so TK goes with 
uh, Zora to the sperm bank. I thought mm-hmm. that was a, a funny scene. Lots of questions there. Cause... I guess, like, for plot purposes, because she's like, oh, when they said you can't go in there, and she's like, okay, well, where's the bathroom? And then she finds the, like, you know, one computer room as it was in 1993 where everyone just had one computer room in their location and and um and two like there were fun parts of how this movie dated themselves dated itself of um when we find out later about the sperm and the files that get taken over and Anyways, it you know yeah. I won't release that just I mean, yet. Even, but. I mean, this is a little pervy, but even them going in, you know, when he when she's like, okay, well, we have videos, we have VHS, or we have magazines. And yeah, like, now that... it's just like, hey, here's an iPad, <laughs> have at it. Like, yeah, seriously, here's our spank your pink magazine. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I liked that part too, and like the way that that nurse, like they gave her, they like overdubbed her voice to make it sound like she was talking really slow, <laughs> and um, he was nervous. Will was nervous about not being able to like fill the whole cup, and then he like sticks his head out, and he's just like, "Hey, I need a second cup." <laughs> <laughs> and then I wrote down that. The price, $40 per donation, like, that is not enough. <laughs> That's not enough for me to be, like, potentially But in having... 1993 was pretty good. And you can do, what, up to, like, four donations a week or something like that. So, I mean, I get it. I'm just saying that men are cheap. <laughs> like... Oh, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, men are cheap, but, like, that's... But that that process is so much easier than like egg retrieval. Yeah, but so. I was just like oh, forty dollars per donation. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> and then he has a line where he's like, "You want me to go in there and wrestle with the bald headed champ?" And I was like, "Oh my god, I've never heard that as a, <laughs> a descriptor of masturbating." <laughs> like, I was just like, "That's funny, the bald headed champ." That makes mm-hmm. I get it. So funny. Yeah, I also, so obviously this is where Zora gets to the computer that has, you know, who's donated to whom and whatnot. And um, I love a scene in a movie that's hacking away at like an old school <laughs> computer with yes. a clicky clack keyboard. And because... the the green, green font on a black screen. Yes. Yeah. Uh, or the blue screen with the white font. Like, just yes. all of it. I was just like, yes, get in there, girl. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And, of course, the kids know how to do it. Like, nowadays, like, I feel like even though we have so much technology, like, you have, like, your random 13-year-old's not just going to be able to be like, like, okay, cool, I've got mm-hmm. the files. <laughs> like, you have to be, like, they have to be, like, some super smart hacker kid that, like, knows what they're doing, doing. Oh, so after this, she figures out that Hal is allegedly her father. So mm-hmm. we get introduced to him, and he was just in the throes of passion with Jennifer Tilly's character. And I was dying when she, like, hits, like, multiple cartwheels <laughs> in yes. the bedroom to the bathroom. <laughs> Again, that was like 
The first 45 minutes of this movie, as little Raj noted, were just like very chaotic. And so that was just one of those things that I was like, really? We're naked cartwheeling to the bathroom. And that's why she's like the Energizer Bunny. Like she was just like, let's go, let's go, let's go. (laughs) I was just like, okay, wow. Also her Reebok collection, like in the closet, like, you know, I I love a good sneaker moment. So I was like, oh, do. Like, I see you with the sneaker closet, the jazzercise shoes. Um, and then, you know, Zora comes, uh, Hal's leaving, and, you know, she winds up getting in his truck, and then he's driving all wild, like, mm-hmm. to the car dealership to go shoot this commercial. Um, so <laughs> that driving sequence had me stressed out. I was just like, oh, my God, never would that happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, she gets sick from that ride car sickness and so one of his workers diego gives her a mountain dew she takes one sip and i was just like what a waste of a mountain dew (laughs) (laughs) do the do baby fully do the do (laughs) but like the commercial that he's shooting too is like a big both of those commercials are like a big like supposed like plot like um dry little driver but also like part of the comedy of it all but it's just typical like 90s hijinks of like here's an animal and here's everything going wrong in this commercial and he like electrocutes himself and then the animal like mauls him and all this stuff (laughs) and right later on with the elephant like the elephant just takes off down down the street all the way to the lake right and Whoopi thinks that it's chasing her because she has the bell on her bike but really he's just following like the signal of the bell and stuff and then and then i guess that elephant just goes into lake Merritt, and then they're like they they like the cameraman follows them the entire time and they're like we got it that's the commercial i'm like in no (laughs) world would they be continuing to shoot like they would stop they're up you know where's animal control where's the police where is it? yeah because like part of it is like the camera crew and stuff they're like rolling down the street on like some kind of rig too like all together just like keep shooting like and keep it's like going what and then he makes a comment later when he like shows up at the house they're like where's the elephant he's like i don't know he drowned i guess i was like what the I think he said that to a kid who wind up. Oh, that's it. To that's the dealership. It. Yeah. Yeah. Because, well, you know, that commercial, I guess, was like so wildly successful. Then everyone was like, oh, I want to go to the dealership where the guy was on the elephant. And yeah. people were just like buying cars left and right. And yeah. <laughs> also not just... realistic. <laughs> that would just be on YouTube now. Or He would go style. viral and then people would be like, this guy's an animal abuser. Let's <laughs> like loot his dealership. Yeah. Oh, my God. But allegedly too um in the ted danson whoopi goldberg interview he said that the elephant going in the water like i'm guessing they had to do multiple takes but elephant relieved themselves in water so he's like that was Mm -hmm. not fun (laughs) like you know that's where they do their business and so you know i have to be in this body of water with this elephant guess what it wants to do it wants to pee wants to poop so i thought that was interesting i never Never would have thought of it. Another part that I thought was pretty funny was Whoopi is at her bookstore, which is like this very Afrocentric. Oh, I know what part you're talking about. Bookstore. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Two white ladies come in. 
And they're like, where's your books on uh, weddings? And she's on the phone with the sperm place trying to figure shit out. And so she's like, uh, over there. And they keep hounding her. But like, I was just like, oh my God, these Karens like coming into I, I said, I said, white girls after taking one African-American history study class in college. <laughs> White girls after dating one black guy. <laughs> White girls after their vacation to like Jamaica. <laughs> after White girls after break. serving in the Peace Corps. <laughs> but I thought that was so funny how they were clearly like not aware of their surroundings. You know? They were so not, and they and like they didn't give a shit that Whoopi was like dismissive and being like, "Oh my god, get out! Like, go! Yeah. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing?" Like they were, and then they're just like, "We are so terribly sorry of what like our people have done to you." Well, that comes after she winds up leaving to go. She like locks him in the store. Yes. Yeah, and so they, her and Hal, come back and they're still in there, just running around in like kente cloth and with like piles of books <laughs> and stuff. And they're like, "Oh my god, you're back!" Like, well, we didn't know what to do, so we just started reading and stuff. And we want all this stuff, and we're so sorry for what we've done to you. Like, and I was just like, "Oh my god." every time like yeah it's just like take the lesson and carry that on you don't need to confirm with us sometimes just yeah uh... honestly that was like one of my favorite parts of this movie i just thought it was really fucking funny (laughs) yes i thought that was hilarious and then oh the part where again jennifer tilly's hanging out with this dude and ted dancing comes home but that guy is like oh we're gonna like hang out later like he's very like wayne's world 90s grunge dude yeah long hair long wavy hair and the gym not the gym (laughs) the the band that he says that they're gonna go see is called stinky nightgown (laughs) it's just like what (laughs) that that is random and weird and that sounds like a nickelodeon cartoon grunge band (laughs) Like from Rocka's Modern Life or something. Like, what yeah. Stinky Nightgown. Stinky Nightgown. Or like what Deb from Wild Thornberries would be listening to. <laughs> like, oh my God, Eliza, give me my Stinky Nightgown tape. <laughs> like, yes, that is so true. Um, and then eventually Whoopi Goldberg gets hit on her bicycle because she's like upset and riding away. And I was mm-hmm. like, it was only a matter of time. And it was the weakest, like, bicycle hit ever. <laughs> but It truly was. Like you said earlier, um, the fact, like, that she was just, like, she was just bobbing in and out of traffic, running red lights, like, just no care in the world, no helmet, besides her dreads. Like, and <laughs> the fact that that didn't happen yeah. earlier was astonishing. But so many. And so Little many Raj things. kind of... T- he talked about that in his review of like the wild setup of like multiple scenes that we see her just like being extremely negligent on a bicycle weaving out of traffic. Like she caused multiple accidents (laughs) of cars hitting each other and was still like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) pedaling along to the store. And she's just like, well, let me grab my flowers. I'm going to put them in my ring, ring, ding, 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 you know? Um, that, yeah, you're so right. Like the, a, it was, it was a setup for like 
for it to happen later, but she didn't have to be an asshole the whole time for it to be <laughs> a setup for her to get hit by a car. Like, if yeah. riding a bike was her main mode of transportation, she didn't have a car, like, it just make I don't know, you run that risk anyways being a cyclist of getting hit by a car. I guess you double run that risk when you're just <laughs> never looking. And yeah. you're just <laughs> You just got your Walkman and your basket, and you're just. But she mm. wasn't even listening to music. I think was the thing. Well, I know in the first sequence, it seemed like she was because I remember seeing the yellow Walkman because I'm oh, on this okay. cassette tape kick right now. So I was got like, it, got Walkman. it. <laughs> so, anyways, she gets hit by a car. She gets sent to um, the hospital, and the what I thought was interesting was that while while Zora and Hal are waiting um, to, uh, you know, she, they find that she's unconscious. She broke her leg. They had to operate on it and stuff. And then they were hanging out in the waiting room. Um, someone, a nurse comes out and they're like, oh, while you're waiting, do you want to give blood? We always encourage families to give blood. Do they still do that? Like, I know, obviously, you can go, like, donate blood, but just the yeah. way that that was, like, so casually, like, oh, while you're waiting, you know, unless she needed a yeah. severe blood transfusion, which it didn't really seem like that was the case, that she was just unconscious and she broke her leg. Yeah, I think but it's I just a plot driver, because then you bring up the blood types again, and it's like, yes. my blood type still doesn't make sense for yours, so, and then he looks mm-hmm. into that further, and plot twists. He's not her daddy. Maury Povich, you are not the father, comes on. And I thought, and that's kind of where the movie dated itself, was they said, well, back then, you know, we're going to go back 17 years ago. If 1993, if I'm doing my math right, it would have been like. (laughs) That's more than 17 years ago. No, if it's 1993 when this movie oh. was made and Zora was oh, 17. Oh, okay, she's 17 and then, okay, then, sorry. Yeah, so it would have been like late 70s, right, when he like donated sperm mm. or whatever or when when Sarah Matthews had, you know, chosen to be artificially inseminated. And so they said back then all of the file records were on paper and then about like 10 years ago they started to like digitally move the files and they had that work done overseas and then there must have just been like a miscommunication or something and i'm just like uh yeah remember when everything was on paper and then they decided oh okay no computers are here to stay and we're just gonna like put all of these i'm like nervously twitching (laughs) it's just like the thought of like digitizing all of those old files and stuff man I'm glad we skipped a lot of that part. (laughs) Like us, like we existed already, like when that transition. Because you know that that had to have been someone's job. Just like learning how to fucking use a computer and then like creating these like files and documents and just like, you know, typing in sperm donors and typing in this and like digitize (laughs) it, like medical records and all that stuff. So I'm like, oh, thank fucking God that that (laughs) wasn't a job. How terrible would that have been? I mean, I I still feel like we're still grappling with some aspects of that because boomers are still in the workplace. So I have coworkers who aren't even boomers. They're like Gen X who are like... Yeah, I need to print this out and, like, be able to write on this and take notes and stuff. And here I am with my iPad, like, oh, great, I could send this PDF to myself and write on it in good notes, like, and I don't have to waste paper and I could search the PDF, like, 
mm-hmm. just kiss. Mm-hmm. And they're like, <laughs> I have this binder full of printed notes and trainings and stuff. And I'm just like, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think that, yeah, I'm glad that we came in at a point where for the majority majority of things it was digitalized practically almost but i think we're still teetering on the edge of uh yeah and not to get too off topic i think sometimes it can also be just a preference thing i like yeah. to take yeah handwritten notes and you do digital notes but yeah. I, I i but i also know how to fucking work a google drive and like <laughs> you know i yes, can also levels. take digital notes too if i wanted to but yeah some of it is can be preference related as well. Yeah, so Will's part is small in this, but you know, we've already said this is very easily compared to his role on The Fresh Prince. Um, Mm -hmm. But like, let's talk about, I guess like this movie, like does it hold up today? You know, would it hold its own in 2022? What would a remake look like? All those fun things. We've seen different iterations of quote unquote Sperm banks or artificial insemination movies gone wrong. Rom-coms, right? Like the one Jennifer Lopez. Um, but well, I don't want to. I don't want to say that didn't go wrong for her. The boy in the backup plan. Fuck you. But and then there's the Jason Bateman movie and Jennifer Aniston. Oh, I haven't seen that. That was the one where he jizzed in a cup. And she thought it was someone else's jizz. She ended up having his kid. Um, There's a storyline on the Golden Girls where Blanche's mm-hmm. daughter decides to get artificially inseminated. And Blanche is like, no. <laughs> like, that is mm-hmm. why. Um, and I think this yeah. is, like, fairly new technology still, you know, like, and still kind mm-hmm. of taboo. And to make a movie about this and to make a movie about like an interracial child being conceived and then Oh the- yeah. Yeah. And I think I'm sorry, I must say that No, no, go ahead, go ahead. It is one thing to have a black man and a white woman. It is very rare to see a black woman and a white man mm-hmm. a lot of times in interracial depictions. So this was like I'm surprised they took a risk and made this movie because. Yeah. And it was like pretty gross, like gross income wise, a successful hit. You yeah. know, this was not a box office flop for to be a Memorial Day, Memorial Weekend movie release too. Like it did pretty damn well. So, um, you know, but the premise of like the old switcheroo, like <laughs> that, that's been around for a while, whether it be about artificial insemination or whatever. But absolutely, I think this movie can be remade to today um, and also have it be on the same you know, premise of it's not the sperm that you expected it to be or the father is not ex- you know expected of what you thought um and i oh the kids uh, are all right that's another one yeah 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 the kids are all that right that one's that one's a really good one mhm but um oddly enough i don't know why but when i was watching this i know i think she's too old now but like i would have loved to seen this remade with zendaya Mm-hmm. Because she is a mixed child. That's one thing, too. Like, I know Nia Long is black. So I was like, I mean, great for her. And also, I read that 
Thandie Newton was um, in line to be cast as Zora. And she actually, I think she turned it down and she really pushed for Nia. Um, which, given what Thandie has said recently. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but I think that's fine. They don't have to be mixed. But I think Zendaya can definitely like lend some authenticity to that. And she's from the Bay Area. So... I mean, I how fun would it be if they remade it and still kept like the shooting and location fairly the same? Yes, like general premise. I love to see movies in the Bay Area, so I would love to see that happen again. But um, I think she's too old, and she's trying to distance herself from. But I think post Disney, like right away, this could have been a good like little cute little film for her to do but she's on her euphoria bag she's acting her ass off on that show as a drug addict so i doubt she wants to make like a cutesy oh my god like i don't know who my birth father is movie um yeah and i guess i mean in at the end of the day this movie more so stars whoopi goldberg and ted danson rather than nia long but it would be interesting to have that role reversal switch where it's not actually starring the adults, but it's starring the kid who are looking for their birth father or like curious about their birth father or whether it was like an adoptive situation. Yeah. Or I think, I think you have them go through more to figure it out. Like that's a good driver of the plot is like them trying to piece together okay who is this guy like how can we get in touch with him kind of like it makes me think of the parent trap like that movie centers on Hallie and Annie Mm -hmm. and one them not (laughs) recognizing that they are fucking identical (laughs) but two you know them piecing together that they're twins that you know their parents separated and you know figuring that out but despite you know it being very Hallie and Annie focused you still are rooting for Nick and Elizabeth to get back together and Mm -hmm. so that is one part of this I didn't really love it but I can understand (laughs) but I wish Zora was okay with her mom and Hal getting along I I get where she was coming from, though. She was like, look, I just found this man, and you're already trying to fuck him for real. Like, I'm just trying to get to know him. Yeah, like, she's like, please down. don't fuck this up for me. Yeah. But, yeah, I would love to see it more, like, driven that way than how it is. And then I could do without the plot twist at the end. Just let him be her fucking dad. Like, Yeah, that... That, yeah, the plot twist was interesting. Well, I guess not interesting. The plot twist is predictable, but you still get that, like, heartfelt movie magic ending as she's graduating high school. Zora is incredibly intelligent, and she gets this scholarship to MIT, and Will Smith's character, like, introduce like, you know, they're walking across the stage and then they're about to like give out the special awards. Um, and he was like, well, I'm have this honor to give this award to my best friend. And then 
um, Zora goes on to say like how proud she is of her upbringing and her mom and wants to call Sarah Matthews up there to, you know, kind of bestow the honor to her as well. And as she's walking up there, she has a cane because it's post accident and stuff. And then we see Hal Jackson, like, you know, going through the crowds and stuff. She's like, this is my, this is my mom, everybody. And I'm her father. That's my dad. And then the choir breaks out and sings a song about AIDS. Like the ending of this movie, I think to me was just the most like at that point, like I was candy crushing a little bit. And then I like, (laughs) I like dropped my phone and looked up at that point. And I was like, really? This is where we're going with this. But you were really playing candy. No, no. Yes. No, I was really (laughs) candy crushing. So like I was on my phone, you know, I'm like, I'm her dad. I was kind of like, oh my God, that's a little like migraine temple rubbing moment for me. But then I was just like, whatever. And then like when the group of... not realize that song's... (laughs) Yeah. The group of students starts like rapping and also singing and stuff. And then I like was like, oh, that's interesting. I mean, I know like it's very, it was very common back in those days to like end a movie in song fashion. Maybe they're playing a little bit into that like sister act thing, right? Like of incorporating more like music. Yeah, I will say though that I made the note. I was like, I am here for this black ass graduation. Hell yeah, that was really cool. Cause I was, I thought it was an all black high school for a moment. Cause I was like, I can't, I mean, there was, there was like one or two white kids in there but <laughs> I don't I don't think like it's like a HBCU where it's just like it's just I think at that time in the 90s the population and the community that went to tech was primarily mm-hmm. probably black and Latino mm-hmm. um, so by nature it just looks like a primarily black school but yeah it reminded me of my elementary school in some mm. ways, which was in Oakland and um, which is near Mills College. And it's no longer what it was called. But um, I was like, I can't believe they're like ending this in like song and whatnot. And I was like, wait, when I graduated, you know, my little promotion to middle school, we sang songs. <laughs> In our elementary school promotion, we sang, oh my God, in retrospect, you know, sorry, but this was like 2003. So um, we sang, I believe I can fly. (laughs) Of course you did. And then Nas had just came out with this song um, and it was like, I know I can't, I know I can't be what I want to be, be what I want to be. So it was very, you know, inspirational. So we did that. And I was like, wow, is this like, I didn't realize that this was like a black experience. Cause I was like, you know, I've gone to fairly mixed schools since then, not primarily African-American communities anymore. Like once we moved away from the inner Mm -hmm. Bay area to the outer Bay area. But yeah, like I was just like, man, I like, I'm a little jealous. I didn't have that experience. And I was like, hold up. I did. I just wish I had it at an <laughs> older age, but yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, and then I for actually I'm not for I've I did forget, but when we graduated from St. Mary's, they have cultural graduation ceremonies that are separate for various ethnicities. So there's like mm-hmm. a Latino one, which I believe you went to too, right? And then, but so there's a African American one, and that's like what I invited like my grandparents to. So. <laughs> For that one, we they played Pharrell uh, 
Happy had just came out. And mm-hmm. so they had played that. And they were like, you remember this? Like, when I graduated, we did this. And I kind of forgot. But yeah, <laughs> so we sang along to that and had a kumbaya moment. So I feel like this is part of the Black experience that I didn't realize. So, all right, graduation singing moment. Come through. Yeah. Listen, the song was took me out of it a little bit. But the <laughs> overall experience, I thought, was awesome. Yeah. They could have played something else. But yeah. Um, I'm surprised, too, that, like, Will didn't, like, rap, like, in it. (laughs) I thought so, too. Yeah, I thought that he would have done something. Yeah. Like, parents just don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, it seems like we think that, well, so does this movie, as it exists in, created in 1993, hold its own in 2022? What do you think? I think, um... As is, I mean, there's a, I would personally probably take out, like, you can still have the supposed father be, like, a sketchy kind of, like, skis ball kind of person, or maybe, maybe a celebrity, um, or maybe, like, someone who's on the news, or, like, a politician, perhaps, or something, um, but I would maybe, I would just take out, like, the, animal piece of it i just yeah. again like that was really sticky and gimmicky for me and then i was like this movie still could have been funny without it and maybe i'm just being too overly pita and sensitive about it but i was just like meh didn't really need it no yeah i think that's true but um, overall as is i feel like yeah it could still totally hold its own yeah if i was a substitute teacher i'm popping this bad boy on the projector. I was going to say in like a VHS tape, but you don't do that no more. I think the more easygoing a movie can be means that it's easier for it to morph or transcend into different decades and eras. Like typically, or I don't know. I mean, I guess period pieces and stuff, If it's, since it covers like, eras in history that that never changes but i think basic plot wise yeah this movie can be made absolutely again but i just would retell it in a different way yeah and i think and maybe it's told is like too much of its time maybe maybe that's it you know yeah yeah it's just really sticky and gimmicky and it doesn't it there were times where it felt like it was trying really really hard yeah um and i didn't feel like it didn't have to try so hard for us to still overall enjoy it yeah and i think there's tons of serious movies too that transcend their times now that i'm thinking about it even like i mentioned earlier menace to society like it's a super 90s movie but like at the core of that movie it's about like trying to survive the hood in your neighborhood and getting out and not becoming a victim of um the system and the way things exist around you and trying to do better for yourself and i think that easily transcends to the 90s of it all like that message is just universal and again transcendent of any time like i think Mm -hmm. that's just unfortunately still true to this day um Mm -hmm. and yeah so i don't 
I don't necessarily think that this movie holds its own in 2022 because of the way that it was told is very 1993. <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay, I get that. Um, Simone, I have not a would you rather, <laughs> but like, I guess it's just a question, but like, would you ride a scooter across the Bay Bridge with me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Are you driving or am I driving? I uh, I don't know. (laughs) I was like, I thought about it for real, for real. I was like, um, because there's the scene where Will and or Will and Nia, Zora and TK are Mm -hmm. on her scooter and TK is driving and she's on the back and they're going across the Bay Bridge, which you know it's just like, (gasps) oh my god, yes. Mm -hmm. Um, But (laughs) when I saw that, I was like, oh my god. Could you imagine, like, me and Simone just beep, beep? Because we also hung out, and I joked that we should get scooters <laughs> um, and be, like, little little scooter mob bitches. Um, but then I thought about it, and mm-hmm. I thought about the merging from, like, 680 to get on the baby. Oh, right oh my God. That's the worst merge ever. Right? So I was like, oh, my God. I hate to do that on a little scooter. <laughs> like, no, thank you. <laughs> So, um, it depends on the time of day. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Yeah. We can, uh, but, and the Bay Bridge looks different now than yes. it did in 1993, but we could also do like a little Golden Gate Bridge moment if we wanted to. Um, I say we bike around Berkeley and, <laughs> okay. and we have to find this park or wherever this arch was. I'm very curious about that. <laughs> Love it. Yes. I'm down. Um, anything else? Snack and cocktails? Yes. Well, I'm going to keep it um, really Bay Area <laughs> since we're Go in, for it. in this space. Mm-hmm. Either I'm going Mills Hoagie, which is by Mills College and is like mm-hmm. the hittest place I know. I've never been there by myself, but man, it's delicious. Or I'm going like blondie's fat slice in berkeley and <laughs> and you know getting a pizza pizza and knocking back like a jones soda or something <laughs> Bitch, that's what I said! <laughs> or like a paps <laughs> okay so my cocktail is different because i did that thing where i like looked up a specialty <laughs> yes you're back it. on your bullshit i love it. <laughs> So Whoopi Goldberg's bookstore, Sarah Matthews bookstore in this movie is called African Queen. And it's a like a very like a- Afrocentric bookstore and it has clothing and books and sculptures and like historic pieces and all this like really, you know, neat things. Totally something that you would see. I would still argue like it could I would love for it to exist in real life, but like for yeah, it, it might to... be down like on MLK Boulevard somewhere in <laughs> in Berkeley. <laughs> I could, I don't know. I could still see it exist in a place on Telegraph, like in downtown Berkeley. Yeah, I just I don't think know. It's so expensive now. Oh, I'm sure real estate wise, definitely. Yeah. But um, so I looked up, and there is a cocktail called the African Queen. <laughs> Um, Okay, in the African Queen, um, it is two shots of bourbon, a squeeze of lemon juice, and what makes it like the African piece of it is that they use spices and flavors inspired by Africa. So we have liquid tamarind, Mm. 
Um, oh, or you could even you could even line the glass. I saw it too with like that little like tamarind powder mm -hmm. um, and passion fruit puree. Oh, this sounds good. It does sound good. I would make that. Yeah. Hmm. And I'm usually not too much of a bourbon person, but I would give it a try. I'm also curious, like as a black person, I don't really know if like African cocktails so now i'm like curious like what are we drinking over on the continent like what's the drink of choice in africa <laughs> i mean we know like you know wine is italian and you know european and champagne is french and stuff and whiskey is irish and i'm like and i know black people have had to have like something in africa I'm, I'm sure i think egyptians had wine too like before i'm not sure but yeah i'm trying I'm just... to think of things that might have been like introduced by colonization but i don't want to think about like colonization inspired cocktails but like what was there before like pre yeah like slave ancient, trade like and colonization kind of like Native i'm sure American it varies stuff. yeah and i'm sure it varies by country but yeah. I wonder if there's like a general flavor profile or like a common beverage that might have been served. Fun historical research to do for later. <laughs> well, thank you, Made in America. All right, we wrapping this. We wrapping it up. Yeah, we we are wrapping the swirl up on Made in America. Me and you. All right, so thank you for listening to this week's episode and. The to the people who've stuck with us so far, please come back for another episode of the Safeway Select version of Inside the Actor Studio because that's where that's where Hal went and bought some groceries when he was kind of getting his life together. Did that's you see it. Little '90s Safeway. Back? I did. I did. That was great. Um, and seriously, if you like us, like how much I liked that Ritz Bits cheese sandwich product placement in this movie. And you want to stick around with us, take another deep dive down this IMDb rabbit hole with us as we discuss Will Smith in another 1993 movie, Six Degrees of Separation. And on that note, you've got nothing better to do. <laughs> Go figure out a theme to watch a bunch of movies you've never seen. I'm your host, Simone. Subscribe to this blessed mess and leave us a like if you are into it. And I'm your host, Bria, and it would be awesome for you to wipe off those buttery popcorn fingers and give us a review. Follow us at Roll Call Pod on Instagram, TikTok, and my favorite, Twitter. And this has been another episode of Roll Call.